We are, conti- we are actually finishing our series on the vision statement, reach up, rise up, reach out. This is what Good Hope Church is all about. Churches can get hijacked in their purpose, in their mission, where they're going to go, and we don't want that to happen at Good Hope Church. We want to be about reaching up, connecting with God, abiding in the vine. We want to be connected with the living God. That can happen the first time, which we consider that evangelism or getting saved. The first time you ask for forgiveness and God brings you into his family, you believe in him and he gives you the right to be one of his children. What an amazing blessing that is. I heard it described one time as refrigerator rights. If you are a child of God, you have refrigerator rights. Like my kids at my house can just open the fridge. You know what I mean? Like, but if you come and visit me and you just open the fridge, it'd be like, dude, you know, uh, but the kids just open the fridge. They're comfortable in that environment. They're part of what's going on. They belong there. We, when we believe in Christ, the forgiving power of what he's done for us, we are given the right to be his children. We belong. It may take a while for you to wrap your mind around that. I mean, some people get that. But for me, doesn't it seem like God's over there and big and strong and I don't deserve to be connected with Him? But He has made it so that I get to be a child. I can open the fridge. I can say, hey Lord, how you doing this morning? And go through life. It's It's amazing. We want to stay connected with God. Church without God is a disaster. It's a disaster. We must stay connected with God. Then we want to rise up. This is the discipleship process or the sanctification process, if you like to use big churchy words. Um, We want to get better at being Christians. Amen? Do you want your life to change? Are there areas where you want your life to change? Then you have to change your life. It's not going to change unless you do some changing. We want change, but we don't want to change. But it just doesn't work that way. When you do things the same way, the same thing happens. You might put yourself in a different environment. How many people have gotten a restart? Like you get a new job, or you move to a new city, or you go to a new school, and you get a restart, and then all of a sudden, those same things are happening again. People are still walking all over me. Well, guess what? You didn't change. Your environment changed, but everywhere you go, there you are. And so those problems continue. So if we want things to change, we have to change. That's rise up. Did Jesus ever ask people to do things differently? All the time. That's a huge part of being a Christian is getting better at following Christ. That's rise up. Then reach out. God has a plan. He has things He wants us to do. We're not just getting saved and growing as believers so we can sit at home and feel good about ourselves. There's a purpose. There's a plan. All right. So we are talking about reaching out. Reach out. Last week we talked about the church. Is the church in America doing great? Hmm. It's, it's not doing horrible, I don't think. I mean, there are churches that are doing horrible, but there are ones that aren't. There, there's good stuff going on and there's some bad stuff going on. It's kind of, it's kind of iffy. We talked about that quite a bit last week. Definitely, there's a lot of room for improvement. Amen? There's, there's room for improvement. Yeah, no crusades going on. Yeah. 
that's good too, you know? I, I, I read about a different sword in here. You know, there's uh, definitely, we have a different weapons that we do battle with. Uh, the trump card, the, the atomic bomb of Jesus is love. You know, what's the answer the enemy has to love? There's nothing. Keep loving, you win. Praise God. All right. So the church, room for improvement, a little iffy. How about the world operating outside of faith in God? How is that doing? The world that doesn't know God, the world that is distant from God, the world that doesn't... How is, how is that doing? Worse than the church or better than the church? You, you hear about human trafficking. You hear about uh, tremendous poverty. Jamaica is like a second world country. There's a whole nother pile of third world countries that are way worse. You just go to Haiti, right across the the Caribbean Sea there, just a little ways, and it's way worse than Jamaica. There is darkness in this world. People think the church is terrible. There's, There's deeper darkness than that. There is powerful darkness out there. Many of us in here have experienced significant amounts of darkness from this world. We have been impacted by it. We have hopefully not been conformed to it, but it's been trying to make its imprint on us. The world is messed up. What are we supposed to do about that? Option number one, whine, blame, and expect things to get worse. That seems to be the most common response inside churches. Whine, blame, and expect things to get worse. Does that sound like a good plan? Are things, yeah, I don't think that's a real great plan. Jesus knew this world was messed up and it was full of darkness. And he explains how we are supposed to respond to that in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. The you there is plural. It's all y'all. It's the plural you. It's not you individually. It's all y'all are the light of the world. All y'all. Not just y'all, but all y'all. It's everybody. We... All y'all are the light of the world. Don't you love people that talk like that? I just think it's great. My wife has some relatives that are from farther south, and they say things like, all y'all. And it's just, I like it. I like it. You are the light of the world, plural you. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So what Jesus is saying that we should do when we are surrounded by darkness is be a light in that darkness. We are the light of the world. Amen. Amen. We are the light of the world. Can you do that by yourself in the woods? 
Can you worship God by yourself in the woods? Absolutely. Can you have a life-changing experience and rise up into newness of life by yourself in the woods? Yes. Can you be the light of the world by yourself in the woods? No. This is something, that's why it says all y'all. We need to come together to do this. This isn't something we do alone. We have to do this as a group. Um, other than men taking their place, <laughs> I think the, the other thing that has destroyed Christianity is just splintering. Me and God and everybody else can forget it. All y'all are the light of the world. Not you individually. We have to work together to have that happen. We can't do this alone. We must work together. I have a rhetorical question for you. A rhetorical question means I'm not looking for an answer. And it's actually a ridiculous question. But let me ask you this question. It says, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Was God making the biggest mistake ever when he made us the light of the world? Was this God's greatest blunder to make us the light of the world? Was this an error? He made us? I mean, I like you guys. But seriously, we are the light of the world? How good of a job of that are we really going to do? How good a job are we doing? talked about that last week. All y'all are the light of the world. Was that God's biggest mistake? To make us the light of the world. Of course, Jesus is the light. That light comes into us and we share that light. So he's not saying you apart from me are the light of the world, but us with him in us, we are the light of the world. Now, God does not make mistakes, but sometimes we represent Him poorly. Amen? God does not make mistakes. When He said, you are the light of the world, you people who believe, you people who claim God as your Father, you people who are religious, you are the light of the world. He was talking to the big group. This is the Sermon on the Mount. There's like gobs of people there. He says to him, you're the light of the world. Let's go to Romans chapter 2 and find out how this light sometimes functions. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew or a Christian, this is if you call yourself a Christ follower, if you call yourself a God follower. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know His will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law... If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, that is, if there are things that you think you understand that other people don't, if you have ever said they should do it this way, you are convinced you're a guide for the blind because you understand when they don't. If you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? 
You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. As it is written, people don't like God because they have met you. Have you ever met a Christian that made you not like God? We are the light of the world. Was this a mistake? Well, sometimes it doesn't work very well, does it? This is a heavy responsibility, by the way. Just like me, I stand up here, I, I preach. Corey knows what this feels like. You have to represent God in front of people. What if you make a mistake? Seriously, do you think I'm perfect? I hope not. I mean, don't beat me up. You're like, that guy's imperfect. You know, but it seems like when you're, when you're the preacher guy, people either think too highly of you or they think too low of you. You know, like they think you're just like need to be killed or they're like, oh, you're awesome. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a guy named Mike. And you know, the, the word of God is awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Praise God. But how often does this happen? God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the people who represent God to the world. It's a heavy responsibility. Now, um, of course, God does not make mistakes. Making us the light of the world was not a mistake. But I got to tell you, God does take chances on people. God does say, hey, you know what? Why don't you do this? He takes chances on people. Why don't you go plant the church? Can you imagine being God and trusting somebody like me to plant a church? God does not make mistakes, but he does take chances on people, and he'll take a chance on you, and he'll give you an assignment and see if you do it. Sometimes you do it well, sometimes you'll fail. If you do it extremely poorly, he has a plan for that. Because there are people who instead of having the light of Christ in them, they, they talk about God, they claim to represent God, but they just have darkness in them. Or they've forgotten about God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a term, uh, the apostate church. If you, if you don't know what that term means, what it means is it's, the church that has left God, the apostate church. Um, I, I love Christians. I believe that there are absolute born-again believers in every denomination. But there are groups that have left God. And this is the apostate church. Are those groups growing? No, they're shrinking. Look what Jesus has to say here in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus says this. Now he's chewing out the religious people. He's telling them they're doing all this stuff wrong. And here's what he says to them. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. You're blowing it. I took a chance on you. It's not working. The kingdom is going to be taken away from you and given to somebody else who's going to answer the call, who's going to go out and do it. Produce the fruit of the kingdom. Making us the light of the world was not a mistake. 
He does take chances on people. And when groups go, like, if, if I was just to say, wow, these people really like me, I think I'll make up my own theology and go my own way, what would happen? <laughs> the church would crash and burn because we walk away from God. Does that ever happen? Oh, to be a leader and know every moment of every day depends on the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, there's this plan of us being the light of the world, God taking a chance on us. If we make it darkness, the kingdom is taken and given to somebody else who will produce its fruit. Is producing fruit for the kingdom important? It's very, very important. It's letting the light shine in the darkness. It's overcoming the darkness. When you see the darkness and you think somebody should do something about that, that means their little light should shine. Let's read John 15, 1 through 8. We're going to whip through this pretty quick. John 15, 1 through 8. This is the vine and the branches thing. This is a tremendous, tremendous section of Scripture. Jesus is preparing His disciples for His departure. And here's what He tells them, among other things. I am the true vine, Jesus says in John 15, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He, cut, he does what to these non-fruit-bearing branches? Where are these branches before they're cut off? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Wrestle with that one for a while. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The prunes, that's the rise up, you know. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This is, this is, were the disciples perfect? No, you read the book of Acts, they had lots of growing to do. (laughs) I mean, they're all going to run away pretty soon, except for John. You know, everybody else is going to be, ah, you know, they're going to be denying the Lord and running and hiding and all this stuff. He says, you're clean. In the midst of our imperfection, God has made a way for us to be clean in His presence. Again, that is a wonderful, amazing, glorious thing. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, how much can we do? Nothing. That's a good lesson to learn early. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will obey. And here he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. There are some amazing promises. We're going to look more deeply into those. We'll do a series on mountain moving. Things like, you know, because I think if we can dig into this and see There's a clear indication here, if you remain in me, that means you're not doing your own thing and asking God to bless it. It means that you're about 
God's business. You're doing the things he's already called you to do. He said, go into the promised land. You say, okay. And then you ask to go into the promised land and he meets the need. You have to be in him for this to apply. But this is to my father's glory. Compare that to the name of the Lord is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. This is to my Father's glory. When we bear much fruit, when we actually are the light of Christ, then the living God is glorified. So if we are a light, if we show the light of Christ, glory comes to the living God. If we fail, if we are darkness, He is blasphemed. We must share the light of Christ. So, are you properly motivated? All right, that's good. I was working on that. I'm trying to get you motivated. If you're, if you're properly motivated, we're going to go through some pitfalls that stop people from letting their little light shine. It's important to let your little light shine. Church I went to way back when, we sang it as a praise song, this little light of mine, country gospel. I learned it different than everybody else. And I was like, hey, I know that song, but it's different than what I heard. This little light of mine. And it was great. People jumping around. But you know what? Sometimes that little light doesn't shine. I used to break strings playing that song. You know, you get the guitar and twah, you know, it all breaks apart. Like, we're having church today. I need two, to get two guitars. I'd have a backup just in case. An ovation, you know, I didn't like those as much. But All right. But I digress. Why don't people let their little light shine? Five quick things. Number one, no light. How are you going to let your light shine? You don't have one. Is there a solution to that problem? Yes, there is. The prayer team will be invited up here in just a couple minutes. And you can come and that light can be brought in. If you were at the Christmas Eve service, I just love the candlelight service because isn't that us, a candle, ready to receive the light of Christ but cold and dark until we do receive it. Then we have that light. It is so glorious to sit up front and it's pitch black, you can't see anybody and then faces start popping up as their candles get lit and all of a sudden there's all these people you couldn't see before that are alive, going from death to life. The symbolism is profound. It's glorious. You can have that light. Don't think the blood of Christ isn't sufficient for you because it is. You can have it. So pitfall number one in letting your light shine, no light. Don't learn to witness before you connect with God. Pitfall number two. People think their faith is a personal thing that should not be discussed. You are the light of the world. Now, are there times to keep your mouth shut? Yes, please use discernment. There are times to keep your mouth shut. But this isn't supposed to be something hidden. It's supposed to be something put on a stand so people can see. Pitfall number three. Feelings of unworthiness or inadequacy, guilt over past sins or sin issues. How many people uh, are dissatisfied with the thoughts they thought yesterday? 
if everybody that knew you was able to see a transcript of every thought you thought yesterday, how many people would think to themselves, oh yeah, sure, no problem. Feelings of unworthiness or inadequacy or guilt can make us think, who am I to shine this light? I can't shine this light. I mean, look at me. And you think, God did make a big blunder by making us the light of the world. At least me. And so they don't let the light shine. I used to pray protection over the congregation before I would preach. I did that for years. Because, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you don't want to say something stupid and they get it. They, they hear the wrong thing and they run off and do something. I mean, that's, that's scary. I always run out of time. You want, to hear, you want to hear my mean phrase of the day? What makes you think you are worthy to refuse God? You think you're unworthy to do what God asks you to do. What makes you think you're worthy to say no? Forget it. I'm not going into the promised land. There's giants in there. I ain't going. What gives you the power to say that? When the Israelites said, no, we're not going into the promised land, they guys, oh, you're scared. I'll give you a hug. No, he, he killed them all. Okay? Not like in one day, but I mean, they got to wander in the desert and, and know they're not going in until they're dead and then their kids can go in. There was no hug. Oh, giants, you've been a slave nation for 400 years and you don't know how to take, uh, take control of your own lives and slay giants. Of course they don't. They were a slave nation. No hug. What makes you think you're worthy to refuse God? You are worthy to do what He asks you to do. If He asked you, He's got a reason. That's said in love, of course. <laughs> so the solution to feeling unworthy is trust in the grace of God more than you trust in your own weaknesses. Trust God more than you trust your weaknesses. He's bigger than our faults. The fourth one that stops us from letting our little light shine is we let our little light shine and we crashed and burned. We stepped out in ministry and had a failure. Have you ever done that? We're going we're gonna to do whatever it is. One time at Good Hope during Lent, we did a Spurgeon series. Two o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays during Lent, I read a, uh, a sermon from Charles Spurgeon. It took 35, 40 minutes. We sung a couple of hymns and listened to Charles Spurgeon. But like four people come. It was a, it was a profound, it was, I mean, I love Spurgeon. Apparently it didn't connect, you know? Charles Spurgeon, you know, like the preacher guy, he's awesome. We, yeah, I know, he was huge. He was really loud. Back, back when they didn't have PA systems, you got called to the ministry by the volume that you could produce. And this dude could preach to 10,000 people and they could all hear him. He was loud. 
One time they, there's a story that he came in to test an auditorium to see if it would work for him. And uh, there was a dude fixing the organ and he didn't see the guy. And so he walks into the place and he looks around and he's going to test out the acoustics and he says, repent, you know, and, and he just, he just goes and, and, uh, whew, we're blowing the speakers on that one. And and that's what happened. And the guy, I guess, was like, oh, and he, he, and he repented, you know, he's like, I'm turning my life over to the Lord. But sometimes when you step out in ministry, you crash and burn. I've seen people eaten up and just, you know, chewed up and spit out by ministry. Just their lives ruined. And I've seen it on smaller scales inside of church. I'm going to have a Bible study at my house and nobody comes. And you just think, oh, they don't like me. And then you lose your enthusiasm and you think, no. What's the solution to that? Of course, don't quit, but most of all, don't do it alone. Don't go alone because we will all fall down. It's whether or not you have people there that can pick you up. Don't go alone. Be part of a group. Then you can get lifted up. And then don't waste good pain. There's a reason why it didn't work. Don't waste good pain and not learn the lesson. You have to pay it again. Last one. Game's at two, right? (laughs) See, I had you right on the hook, and then I went and told a joke. It's terrible. All right, last one is Saul's armor. Saul's armor. Do you remember when uh, little shepherd boy David brings lunch to his brothers and checks on how the battle's going? Little shepherd boy David shows up and his brothers are like, what are you doing here, you little whiner? You know, who'd who'd you leave those few sheep with? You know, aren't you needed back in the field? You know, and and, uh, he's like, you know, you're a jerk. Yeah, that brother relationship. And so he brings them their cheese and bread and whatever. And and, uh, he hears about this Goliath dude. Goliath comes out and he's cursing God and he's yelling at Israel and, you know, like you guys are losers, you know, and all that stuff. And David's like, isn't somebody going to take care of this? And they're like, if somebody does, they get to marry the king's daughter. He's like, what? He needs to be taken down and you get these wonderful things? I'm taking him down. He's like, bring me to the king. They're like, you're an idiot. you know. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm, take me over there. So they bring David to the king, a little shepherd boy. you know. And for some reason, the king is like, yeah, okay, you want to fight Goliath? Go ahead. And so they give him a suit of armor and a big helmet and a sword. And, you know, he's probably like, I don't know how old he was, but, you know, I'm picturing like 14, you know, and so he's clomping around in this stuff, you know, and he's like, and what does he say? He says, you know what, this isn't going to work. And so he takes that armor off. He goes to the stream and he picks up five smooth stones and he walks up to Goliath with a sling and four extra stones that he didn't need. What if he'd have gone to battle in the armor with the big sword? How would he have done against Goliath? 
It had been a disaster. How many times have we felt pressure to do things a particular way? Because that's how it's done. But that's not who you are. God made you a specific way. Maybe you're a sling and a stone person and everybody else thinks you got to put armor on and get a big sword, but you know that's just not going to work. You have to have the courage to say, you know what, I think a sling and, and uh, five smooth stones would work better for me. And they go, weren't you at the armor conference last weekend? <laughs> and you're like, well... You have to be you. When you try to be someone else, your light doesn't shine. You have to be you. Hopefully that sets some people free on that deal. Solution to Saul's armor is be you. God called you for a reason. He knows who you are. He knows what you can do. He's not expecting you to be somebody else. Be you. I'm going to invite the prayer team up as we close here. We need to let our light shine. We need to do that as a all y'all. Do that together. Got to make sure we got the light in here. We got to know that that's part of the deal is we have to bear fruit for the kingdom. We have to be representatives of Christ. We have to overcome our feelings of inadequacy. We have to be able to... I heard one guy describe faith as the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. That's what he said faith is. I've not been able to master that one yet. And then Saul's armor is a bad thing. We don't want to put that on. People don't need to hear about Jesus. They need to be shown. They don't need to hear there's such a thing as a light. They need to see the light in you. <clears throat> Let's close in prayer. Father, I just give you praise. I thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank you that when we abide in the vine, when we stay with you, that we do bear much fruit and we bring glory to the Father. Help us not to go our own way and disconnect think we got to figure it out, not trust in you. Lord, let us stay connected to you so that we can bear fruit. Help us to embrace that and know that there's a, a wonderful place of bearing fruit for your kingdom that we can have a hold of. Open our hearts so that we can let our light shine. I pray courage over those who right now think they need to come up for prayer after this is over and they're kind of not sure what to do. Speak courage. Let it be no big deal. Let them come down and receive prayer. If they don't feel like they've got that light and they want it in there, Lord, let them come down. Get that light in. Father, I pray for those who are dealing with physical issues or financial issues or relationship issues or whatever the need may be. Lord, if they're supposed to come down for prayer, I pray that you'd put it in their heart right now and give them the courage to come down. We know that your hand moves when your people pray. So we just give you praise for that. For those who are departing, I pray your blessing over each one. Let your hand be upon us. Let your light be in us. And let it shine in our world, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we go. Let your light be in us so that it can shine through us so that the darkness can feel it. 
We give you praise. We thank you for being there for us and give us eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you need to come down for prayer, come on down. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. Encourage somebody in the Lord. Say hi to someone you haven't met before.